For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Borussia Dortmund have won the European Cup Winners' Cup. You can feel the passion, the emotion. And Dortmund against all the odds are European champions. Welcome to Believe in Borussia, episode number 23. I'm your host, Tilo, and off we go. In this episode, we're going to talk about the wild finish last Friday. Uh, we talk with another great Borussia Dortmund fan club, talk about why Leipzig still is not on Borussia Dortmund's level, and we take time to honor a true Borussia Dortmund legend, maybe the biggest legend in the club, so stay tuned. But before continuing, just a word from our sponsors who are gearing up for the start of the NFL season, have one of the biggest mega contests, half a million dollars, and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open right now at Bet Online. You want to get in on the action? Just head on over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today, receive your 100% welcome bonus, and take advantage of their opening day super promo which is make a bet on Thursday, September 9th for the season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 to new customers only when signing up using the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And in today's fan club segment, we are talking with Borussia von Bay founder Megan. She is holding it down in the Bay Area out west. How she started, how she kept it going, she will tell us in a second. So if you have stories to share or know other supporters clubs that should that we should highlight here, just shoot us over a DM over social media or email us and we will get the word out. All right. So today we are joined by Megan from San Francisco. Megan, thanks so much for taking time to talk with us. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got in with Dortmund? Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to share this story with um, the listeners. Uh, I started becoming a fan, actually. I followed Germany for like with my team for the World Cup and um, probably just German heritage. You got to pick a team. Um, and so when I went to Germany in like 2013, um, actually to see the Vikings play in your in London, and then did like a Germany tour with Oktoberfest, a music festival, Reeperbahn music festival, and then um, my brother's friend said I had to go to a a Bundesliga match and the best atmosphere was um dormant and so I went and then it was so much like I'm from Iowa and it was so much like Iowa City 
the entire town is invested in this match or game. And so it was just like that same energy. And so I really connected with it. So that's how I became a fan. Yeah, that's that's very true. And I mean, I think that's that's something I, I truly love about Dortmund too. It's it's just inescapable in the city. You set foot out of the train station and you'll see something black and yellow, somebody just wearing a scarf, even not on match day. I don't know, a sticker here or something there, the guy in a kebab stand with the with the jersey. It's <laughs> um and obviously on match days is even more. So but yeah, yeah. Like, and you know, the people are proud of their club, very well aware that if it wasn't for the team. Not a lot of people would probably know internationally what Dortmund is. Um, and it shines through. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely has that, that whole vibe and um, just like great energy and everybody's into it. So how could I not be a fan? I grabbed a scarf and I'm like, I'm committed. This is my team. <laughs> It's that stadium experience that first time. It really, it really does grab you. Um, so yeah, I'm always trying to get people to come to Dortmund or maybe when I, when I know they're like interested in the sport, I'm like, come to Dortmund because I know Once you get in there, the bug will bite you. Yeah. But, um, so that's 2013. You go into the stadium, you grab a scarf. Now you're back in the States. What then? You know, um, it, it, we weren't able to really watch games in the States until like 2015. Um, and with Germany and the World Cup, um, the bar I went to ended up being, yeah, in 2014, um, ended up being the German hangout bar it's an Irish bar I don't know how that happened um but made like a ton of friends um and there and so like that next year was the first time I think they broadcast the Poco match in 2015 and so the Dortmund fans that I made during the World Cup like sort of formed and even though we lost uh, we decided to like form a fan club and um emailed Dortmund like hey this is our list of fans are we official and just kind of <laughs> responded sure because they didn't know what to do with a san francisco uh, fan club at that time so we i think may 30th 2015 is like our founding day um and then i think fox had the broadcast rights for the following year so then we were able to like form the club and actually get together and watch games regularly yeah i think that was an absolute watershed moment having the bundesliga on regular not necessarily TV, but just available to watch the games made a big difference also in my fan experience here in the States. But I'm on the East Coast. You're located on the West Coast. And maybe you just, you know, <laughs> the name of your club, which is probably one of the oldest official ones, actually. Um, yeah. Um, what do you call yourselves? Uh, Borussia von Bay, which nobody understands. It's like a terrible pun, but I love terrible puns. <laughs> I get it. Bay Area, right on. Yeah. But again, you're a little earlier up there. So your kickoff times is 6.30. Um, did you really start going out to 6.30 <laughs> games, rain or shine, when it came on Fox? Yes. And my liver hates me for it because <laughs> it's really hard to be at a bar, even though it's 6.30. So I'm like, oh, I'll wait till halftime before. And then somebody buys a round of Jaeger. You're like, why am I doing this to myself? But it's like, a more of a bonding experience at how ridiculous it is to get up and meet your friends to go watch this match together. And I started like baking muffins and like bringing baked goods and so I'd wake up even earlier. <laughs> I, I don't know how I did it, but it was really fun for those couple years. Um, 
before everything shut down. But yeah, rain or shine, going in the dark fog of San Francisco morning to the bar to watch the match. I really have to commend all of you for that. Um, you know, the West Coast period, but then, you know, also baking and I guess drinking in the morning. <laughs> and like, I'm going to be go on a record here. You know, there's there's always been discussions within the fan scenes, international, national, even within the national fan scenes about, you know, certain stakes. But I'm going to say, I think, you know, going out to a game at 6.30, like leaving a house at 5.30 in the morning on the weekends to watch it on TV with a bunch of friends, you know, like, and you still all have life, life, life going on, you know, mm -hmm. work, kids, whatever. That, you know, that takes some, that takes some dedication. That takes some real passion. You know, I don't want to have anything come on, 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 on folks like you, you know, that, that, that really show out. Like, I don't care if there's people that may have never been in the stadium. Like, that is some true fandom right there, you know. And like I said, tipping my imaginary hat to you guys. Um, maybe you can take, talk a little bit about the makeup of your group because it doesn't sound like they were all like friends and family. So where are all these Dalton fans coming from in the Bay Area? You know, I, like I said, like the, the World Cup, I think, brought a lot of Germans out and we we connected uh through that um and it, it's a very collective and involving group but you know the bay area is pretty transient and as well as like visitors coming in there's like a solid group of six of us that are pretty regular and then for bigger matches 30 plus people will show up um and we've done a couple trips to dortmund um my favorite time to go is during the christmas market period but I mean, that also, people are like, what? Where are you from? <laughs> Why are you here? Why are you a fan? Uh, so we are, you know, get a lot of those uh, questions and then they see our shirt and they laugh. They're like, he gets a pun. And then, yeah, um, it's kind of nice to be ridiculous uh, <laughs> and make friends that way. So, um, and social media, I mean, I don't think we could have collected as many people without like having those platforms to say like, just Google and search it and find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and then just having like a regular spot that people can meet up. I, I think it just starts attracting more and more people. And um, even people that are there to watch uh, like the English Premier League or some other match that's going on at that time, kind of like, like all right, I'm going to support Dortmund for the Bundesliga because you guys are the only ones that show up. Byron fans never show up at 6.30, it's <laughs> only Dortmund fans. So um, I think we started like collecting and turning people to uh, support us. Hey, that best fans in the world, moniker, you know, that has to be fit for life. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, like I said, you know, like, I think it's commendable and it's cool. And I'm going to go out on Olympia, but it sounds like the bar that you're or the location that you're staying at is pretty cool I, do you have a good relationship with the with the people there have you been staying there since 2015 yeah i used to live around the corner from it um and it was my second living room <laughs> in my younger years <laughs> so um the owner brian coils awesome and um has been good at supporting us and opening up early and um, we had a uh, kieran used to be our regular bartender and He's like, you, he's just like, oh, <laughs> wiping the sleep out of his eyes, opening the door. He's like, you crazy kids come in. So um, yeah, it's a it's a cool, cool spot. Um, we have a signed jersey hung up there that um, we were given 
Um, so yeah, very, very cool. That sounds great. Um, and just for the record, where is it and what's the name? Yeah, Danny Coyle. It's in the lower hate um, on hate street, 668 hate street. But um, yeah, it's a cool little spot. Uh, very welcoming. Um, and they're opening back up again, which is, which is great. And it sounds like it has a great community all around and a footy community. So if you're ever in the area, even if Dortmund isn't playing, sounds like that's a good spot to check out. You might bump yep. into Megan. <laughs> probably. <laughs> One um, day a week, probably. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, we, we all get a little older. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I honestly think it's so important to have a good base. And it doesn't have to be a bar. It could be someone's man or women cave or something like that. But just a place where, you know, where you feel comfortable and, and you can build that community where you, you know, have your games shown and sound. And, and that certain framework um, that people just like to come back to every other weekend, even though it's 6.30 or, well, even 9.30 mm -hmm. here. So, yeah, um, I'm glad you have that. And it sounds fun. And I would love to come out there sometime and join you. Maybe yes, definitely. For a 9:30 game. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a, yeah, that's so we get more people at that time for sure. <laughs> Same here. People are very spoiled. Yeah. You know, they 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 like 9:30. Say, ah, oh, I don't know, coming in from Long Island or even just from Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, that's too much. So yeah, we have actually found that rhythm mostly going for the noon games because it's it's relatively regular, but at the same time. Um, yeah, it gives people a little breathing room on the off weekend, so to speak. Yeah, I'm jealous that you have a nearing game as an option. <laughs> it is not bad. I'm going I'm to say that. Okay, um, to wrap up, maybe you can tell us how people and fans can get in touch with you. Are you mostly on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram? Where can they find you? Yeah, on all three. Um, uh, if we're, you know, given sort of the the off hours of um, Dort, like with COVID and everything, it's best to like check Facebook or Danny Coyle's website to make sure that they're open. Um, and we'll post matches if, if we're attending and we're also on Twitter, Instagram. You can see pictures of uh, my dog, Royce, <laughs> that I got over COVID. So he's now my, my viewing partner <laughs> on the sofa. <laughs> Is, has he been behaving well? He, you know, he, he's one, he's just one years old. Um, and he's starting to watch the games. Like he'll like track the ball. It's very, very impressive. Well, maybe that's because, you know, Marco Royce's recent uptake in form. It's, it's your, your dog. Is I, a charm. I, I think it's really attributed to me and my dog that he's doing so well. Apparently. Facts. <laughs> uh, cool um last question that i usually like to ask is there something about your club or your community or about the supporters group that you would like to share with the larger community a great event or something that you know stands out to you about your group uh yeah i if anybody's interested um, we always sort of post when we are able to travel again um I'm sure we'll make another trip to Dortmund. So uh, yeah, just follow us on social media and we'll, we'll let you know and um, you can join the party. And uh, we are sure we'll be part of this crazy 630 West Coast group. 
<laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you, Megan. And um, yeah, as I said, when I make it to the West Coast next, I know where to go uh, in the Bay Area. And um, yeah, sounds like you're having a great time there. So thank you for taking time. Yeah, thank you for having me. So Friday's match came down to the wire, a real nail-biter finish. And it seemed like yet another Hoffenheim home match where Borussia Dortmund were to drop points. Borussia hadn't recorded a home win against Hoffenheim since 2017. Dropping points always sucks, but it's particularly annoying against money upstarts such as Hoffenheim. And if you don't know what I'm referring to, I advise you to have a listen to, I think it's episode number two, where I talk in depth about the whole Hopp and Hoffenheim saga. Anyway, Luckily, it didn't come to this because our American dream Gio Reyna opened the scoreline with a nice strike from outside the box for his second goal of the season in three games. And then Jude Bellingham added a goal and an assist before Earl Erling Haaland put it to bed in extra time. 18-18-20. That's how old our three goal scorers were. And it's just becoming so commonplace. Um, that our young players perform so extraordinarily well. But I don't think there's a club in world football that consistently has this sort of density of youth and quality. It's absolutely remarkable. Um, and while Erling Haaland gets all the attention for, well, the winning goal and his, as always, very extrovert celebration, I think Jude Bellingham's contribution, I think Jude Bellingham's play has been equally amazing. And he might be more important as a player to tie down in the long run than even Erling Haaland. His assist and goal and his incredible work rate is something to marvel at. He's scrappy, tenacious, extremely driven, but in no way dirty. And at the same time, he's so humble and clear in his interviews, in his play on the pitch. It's only been a year since Borussia Dortmund signed him, and at the time... Most folks, I think, were thinking at best, well, a signing for the future, maybe he gets a couple of games this year and then we'll see how it pans out. Or at worst, why in the world would someone pay $30 million for a 17-year-old, which is still a world record fee for a 17-year-old player? Well, he's been making an immediate impact and his presence has shown through the team and he works really well with Mo and I think the Hoots resurgence in a sense may also have to do something with his ability to play with a more dynamic guy like Jude. In any case, the whole club has profited from him tremendously and you feel like he's only scratching the surface yet. His value has easily doubled already and I wonder if he may be that guy that is the real difference maker that will lift BBB to the next level. A guy good enough to lead the team, who won't transfer to the next echelon, but is good and confident enough himself to say, I stay, I'll lead the club to the next level rather than moving to another team. And just when I get carried away with thoughts like that, here he goes and reminds me that he's actually still a very young boy who, well, likes to play in front of his mom. My mum and my girlfriend's here, so I just wanted to, to dedicate that goal to them a little bit. I can't remember the last time I scored in front of my mum, so to do that tonight was brilliant. A less heralded comeback in the game was made by Thomas Meunier, and after a shaky start, he found into the game later. 
in a way, he might be more important to Borussia Dortmund's ambition this season than, say, Donny Marlin, because we need decent fullback performances and the personal options there are rather scarce. I want to share a few post-game soundbites courtesy of BBB TV because it's a very candid and telling interview he gave and that's a rare occasion in today's game. This feel really wonderful. Um, I've never played in front of uh, so many supporters uh, since I arrived uh, here in Dortmund. So 25,000 is like a full stadium in Belgium, you know, and this, this is such an incredible, incredible thing. And um, I just like enjoyed, you know, we scored the third goal uh, in the extra time. And I was looking to the stand and people enjoying the moment, you know, and this was so nice. I had like ghost pumps and uh, and honestly, it feels really good to, to be back after after the, the Euro, the holidays, the COVID situation. It's not nervosity. It's like I, I can get um, quickly frustrated because I try to find my rhythm. I try to breathe. You know, I was, you know, during my COVID, I was one week lying on my bed uh, with uh, 40 uh, uh, of temperature, fever. This was quite difficult you know I couldn't breathe nothing and I felt during the training that it was not perfect yet and this was like you know you wonder oh, oh, oh it will be going you know on the pitch uh, once you will play in a competition game and uh, and honestly the beginning of the game was really difficult uh, I couldn't find my rhythm and and after you get frustrated and it's just like yeah, you start thinking a, a bit too much, and uh, and after you you know you you, you can find your your breathing and and, and again you your football you don't think anymore because it's it's just in you you know and we are working a lot a lot a lot really tactically during the trainings and and I think this coach have have the things to to get us you know focused and. Uh, and to make us love football again, you know, like I told it in, in many interviews before, you know, I played football because, because of the supporters and I myself, I am myself a supporter. When I will hand my curry, I will be every week in the stadiums, you know, to see, to watch football games. And this is what I like, you know, and, you know, not being on the pitch is like not seeing your children, you know, for me it's totally the same, it's the same feeling, I'm, I get sad, I get frustrated. I'm not even in a good mood and it's it's quite complicated to be in such a situation and and no it's it's like uh, I reborn I'm reborn again and I just enjoy the moment. So hearing this I really do hope he can deliver now with fans slowly coming back because a he seems to be a genuinely good guy and I talked about it in another episode and b Borussia Dortmund desperately needs production from the fullbacks. It's been an Achilles tendon for so many years and it would be amazing if there would be some sort of stability on this position and the level of productivity that matches the rest of the offensive potential that we have on this team. Yeah, looking around the league, I can't help but notice that Bayern is about to gobble up Zabitza and by the time this airs, it might have been a done deal. Which would mean that... Leipzig lost their best player in Womecano, their captain in Zabitza, and their coach to Munich all in one transfer window. You would think that this would put to bed all the Leipzig is the new number two and they've overtaken Borussia Dortmund nonsense. Or at the very least, the cheddar that Borussia Dortmund is losing all its top players to Bayern every year. Again, Jaden Sancho 
was the first top player leaving Borussia Dortmund since Usman Dembele in 2017, and Dembele went to Barcelona, and Jadon Sancho went to Manchester United. But hey, maybe people get just tired of Bayern dominating so much that they're now starting to try ish with Borussia Dortmund and are acting like Leipzig are all there. But they're not. It takes more than finishing a season, what was it, two points ahead, three points ahead of Dortmund, to overtake or even level with the club. Because there's still a huge structural gap, there's a cloud gap, and there's an actual silverware gap. When Bayern started coming after Dortmund and attacked the Borussia Dortmund squad trying to pick it apart, Borussia Dortmund came off back-to-back German titles, a German cup win, and Leipzig, well, they've won diddly squad. And despite all of their talk of the sky's the limit and we have maximum ambitions and yada yada yada, all of their keycocks are running away because they apparently don't have the motivation to see it out with Leipzig and stay with the sugar drink empire. Of course, now Leipzig is acting like that's all part of the plan and no problem at all. But let's see how things pan out if they find themselves, say, out of the top four in December. Look, I've said it before. I wouldn't be surprised if they will plateau and regress, similar to what Hoffenheim did. Because you only get that one fresh start, that one honeymoon phase. And once that is over and people stop drinking the Kool-Aid, no one actually thinks of how your club is so different and smarter than everyone when it becomes evident how hard it actually is to prevail in the league, even just making a top four. Players will become less interested. Fans will become less engaged. Because if you only wanted to link up because you thought the club has the magic formula and knows how to cut the corners, people will leave when they realize you don't. As is evident in their coach, their captain, and their best player leaving right now. And just wait for a guy like Forsberg, who's been asking out repeatedly to do the same things if yeah, things don't turn up quickly for Leipzig. And their next match, I think, is actually against Bayern. So we'll see how that pans out. But at the end of the day, again, as we know all too well, it takes more than finishing one season in second place or two seasons in second place. Heck, we won the league twice, went to the Champions League final, and there was still a large gap between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern from finances to infrastructure, sponsors, TV money, media reach, and so on. So yeah, nice try. But also, in the head-to-head, I think Dortmund has more than shown who is boss on the pitch. And to me, it's also very clear who's boss of it. Someone that knows a thing or two about the business and how to build and rebuild and rebuild again is Michael Zorg. Borussia Dortmund's sporting director is going into his last season and after 44 years at the club as a player and official, he has announced his retirement for next summer, with Sebastian Kale stepping in for him. Zorg dedicated almost half a century to his hometown club and was involved in four German Cups, five German Championships, one Champions League win, one Club World Cup. And yet, he often flies under the radar. Other newly rich clubs put up statues for players that barely played a decade there. So I wonder what would be adequate to honor someone like Zorg. Someone who has experienced everything, from relegation battles for the second Bundesliga to the Champions League final, 
who has seen and done everything and all for one club, his club. I mean, people have talked about putting up a statue for Klopp many times, but seldom have I heard it for Zork. Of course, Klopp is unbelievably charismatic and he was able to maximize the emotional potential of the club and channel it into the most exciting seasons in maybe 60 years. Klopp was just a natural fit with the club, the passion, the emotion. But the truth is, as much as Klopp embodies that passion of the club, Zorg embodies the humility, the integrity, the down-to-earthness, the work ethic that has made the club and the region what it is. Things that were assumed normal, not cutting corners, honest work, and are becoming rarer in this high-octane soccer circus we are in. Zork is a stalwart of these characteristics. And he is truly not interested in any accolades or limelight. Almost every Zork interview that I've ever listened to has an element of understatement in it, a self-depreciating joke, and not that he's like a pushover by any means. You can't be a pushover if you have to deal with the soccer circus, with the press, with the Mino Raiolas, year in, year out. But he's always about the mission not about the man. And his career numbers alone should show just how beyond doubt he is a Borussia Dortmund legend, really the Borussia Dortmund legend. 571 games, 158 goals, 131 Bundesliga goals, which is second most by any midfielder, period. He was automatic from the penalty spot, 49 out of 57 for his career. I already named most of the titles, but he also won an under-20 World Cup for Germany, an under-19 Euro for Germany. He got seven caps for the senior German national team. He was a UEFA Cup runner-up in 93. But, you know, with Zorg, it's less about the numbers. And just for context, let me give you a quick personal background. So Zorg was born in Dortmund, August 25th, 1962. His dad played two seasons professionally in the Bundesliga for Bochum, which is close by, obviously. So Zorg, a Dortmund boy from a soccer family, there was only one destination that you want to end up. And despite Borussia Dortmund being in the second division when he became a teenager, Borussia Dortmund is and was still the club for the city of Dortmund. Like his father, Zorg started out at local Tuss Ewing Lindenhorst in Dortmund's north. That club would also produce future BBB stars like Stefan Kloos and Lars Ricken. In 1978, Michael Zorg switched into the youth team of Borussia Dortmund and he was promoted to the seniors in 81. There, he met Rolf Rusman, who gave him his nickname, Susie, due to his long hair and soft facial features. And you know what? It stuck. Players still called him Susie in the 90s when he was a well-established Bundesliga player the captain of Borussia Dortmund, and people actually still call him that today, affectionately, of course. It stuck around more than 30 years. Anyway, he finished his advanced high school diploma in 82, then served as obligatory military service in a close-by base in a special sport company, and then he enrolled at University of Dortmund to study economics, all while establishing himself in Borussia Dortmund's first team. I think it's safe to assume that Michael Zorg still knows what it means to actually work and work hard. 
And I can only imagine the bewilderness that he had sometimes, especially in the beginning of his career when he was feeling out the sporting director position when dealing with some of these players these days. Not even the superstars, but like squad players that make millions of dollars, hardly play, and then still complain about this and that and how it affects their game and all that. Obviously, things have turned, there's more scrutiny, social media and all that, but you sometimes wonder about their motivations and priorities. Anyway, in his first years at Borussia Dortmund, Zorc was mostly fighting relegation with the team. But eventually things started turning around and in his first season as captain in 1988-1989 he lifted Borussia Dortmund's first trophy in 23 years, the German Cup. More and bigger titles would follow and he retired in 1998 from playing after leading the club in Aglowitz's most successful era in the history of Borussia Dortmund. There was some friction in his final playing days with Borussia Dortmund coach Ottmar Hitzfeld reducing his playing time and then Zorg pondering a transfer. But you know what? He opted to stay. His reward? Winning the Champions League in 1997, coming off the bench in the final minutes and lifting the trophy as captain. In the following season under a new coach, Zorg's playing time further diminished, but he did play the full time in the Club World Cup final scoring against Belo Horizonte to lift the final title of his playing career in Tokyo. In the summer of 1998, he switched from the pitch to the boardroom and became the team's sporting director. His first signing? Another club legend from Brazil, Leonardo Dedeo Santos, also known as Dede. Naturally, not all of his signings were winners and the first years were a little rocky. It culminated all in the almost bankruptcy of Borussia Dortmund due to the financial mismanagement of the club's president Gerd Niebaum and manager Michael Meyer. While they both had to leave, Zorg stayed. He reduced the budget by tens of millions while keeping the team afloat in the Bundesliga under new coach Bertrand Marwijk. Until then in 2008, he met and signed with a certain Jurgen Klopp. And the rest is recent history. Michael Zorg has never been one for the limelight. And when he was asked three years ago, 40 years at the club, how do you feel? His first reaction was, of course, a deflecting joke saying, it just tells me how old I am. From what I can tell, I think he does like to joke around and shoot the shit. And he always makes sure to laugh plenty about himself or to prop up his vis-a-vis. There's one thing that makes Michael Zorg emotional when he gets real. And that's when he talks about his club. For example, when he was asked about the young prospects coming through at this year's training camp, his head immediately goes up. The whole body language becomes more tense. And he exclaims that it always has to be a key feature of Borussia Dortmund to be the most attractive club for the young talent in Europe and not just playing them against fourth division opponents in the cup round. No, playing them in big Bundesliga matches, playing them in the Champions League against the absolute elite. He says that's why players like Dembele, like Sancho, like Bellingham or even a Pulisic in Giorena end up playing for Borussia Dortmund. That's what he cares about. Not only did he help devise the strategy, but he's also executed it to the T. People are always quick to blame Aki and Zuzi for certain transfers that didn't deliver on promises like, say, Schultz or Schürrle 
or that certain positions are lacking depth and quality and they often neglect Borussia Dortmund's actual financial possibilities. But very rarely do you hear acknowledgement of the consistency of tremendous young talent that he has been able to unearth, sign and develop. When it's positive, it's just usually, it's amazing how Borussia Dortmund can do this and that. It's never, it's amazing how Michael Zorc can do this and that. Look, case in point, Friday's game. Did anyone say to you, amazing how the Zorc guy put two 18-year-olds, a 20-year-old out there, a 16-year-old coming on, and they're all absolutely killing it? No, probably not. And the thing is, Zorc will be the first guy to point out that he isn't perfect. And I have a feeling he would go through great lengths to lay out all of his personal worst. But look where the club was when he came on as a player in 1981 and where it was when he retired in 1998. And then look where it was in 2005 and where it is now. The thing that stands out to me about Zorc is that he's always team first. Hitzfeld puts him on the bench despite being the captain. He sucked it up. He didn't leave. Went on the pitch. He delivered. They put him in a role that he had no idea what to do with. You know what? He rolled up his sleeves. He got to work until he figured it out, until he had it down. Despite the disappointments, despite the abuse from his own fans, he just kept plugging away because what matters to him isn't himself, but is the club. That it would continue to survive. And when it did, that it would continue to see better days again. And when it got back to the top, that it would stay at the top and that the club wouldn't flame out like in 2005, 10 years after the 95 title. Well, it's 2021 and it's 10 years after that title. And despite Corona, Borussia Dortmund is financially and structurally more solid than ever, while still having a competitive team with some of the best young talent in the world. When Nobby asked during their annual training camp interview whether it crossed his mind that this would be his last time there as a sporting director, Zorg, as he is, first talks about how he was too busy to really stop and take it in, citing negotiations with Raiola, with PSV, who apparently wanted 45 to 40 million for Marlin, so um, that's a bullet dodged. But then he gets real for a moment and admits that he did try to take a quiet moment to consciously take it all in and enjoy those last moments with the Borussia Dortmund family. Why? Because he's Michael Zorg and he's compelled to be honest. But then realizing that he's A, sharing private stuff and B, talking about himself, he quickly snaps out of the question just saying, you know what, this is getting too tear-jerky and he's really here to be successful this year. That is what matters to him. It's a life of service for the club and I'm not even sure he understands it as such. He just did his duty, drew from what he knows to be true by the grace of his Dortmund roots. His body of work despite the lack of public recognition he never craved in the first place, makes Michael Zorg one of the most remarkable personalities in soccer. Up there with absolute legends, in my personal opinion, like Fergie, Uli Hoeneß, Arsene Wenger, people that shaped clubs. And to me, without a shade of doubt, he's the greatest Borussia ever, bar none. Not even Franz Jakobi had such an impact over such a long time in the club. I rhetorically asked what would be appropriate to acknowledge his contributions. 
And while I don't expect a large media or public push for it, I do expect the people that were close to him in the club, the people that will succeed him, to recognize the man appropriately. One idea would be naming a stand after him. It would be the first time that happens, and I think it's an adequate symbol to say, at Borussia Dortmund, it doesn't matter who's the flashiest, the loudest, even the most successful. It matters who is the hardest working, the most dedicated, and again, I don't think there's another human being that can rival Michael Zorg on those parameters. Thank you for tuning in again to Believe in Borussia, presented by Bet Online. Tune in again next week for another episode. And until then, a black and yellow shout out across America. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.